BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Coaches Network. Bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. All right, welcome everyone in the room. Uh, we're here for a live edition of the Coaches Network podcast. I'm joined by my guests today. I'll let them introduce themselves. Jack, you want to start us off? Good stuff. Uh, and Joel will be with us shortly, but apps, you want to go? Yeah, um, my name is Apple Westcott. Um, I, obviously, there's enough of you uh, here know who my ugly face is. Um, I'm a YD lead coach, uh, MK Duns, um, ex player, ex all kinds of things. Um, I'm a dad, uh, and yeah, I'm enthusiastic about football, obviously, and here we are. Awesome. Joe, I'm not sure if you're ready to go or just give a brief intro. Nah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a car with people, so, yeah, just, uh, yeah, come back to me, sorry, sorry. No worries, man, just let us know when you're ready. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, my name's Coach Yas, um, currently host and founder of the Coaches Network podcast, a range of experiences similar to the guys working across youth development and senior football. Um, you know, and we're here this evening just to discuss... It's this concept of coach education courses, whether they're still relevant, what our experiences are with them, um, and how maybe they need to be reshaped, if at all, in the future. Um, I'll open the floor, Jacques. You know, I don't know if you want to just start us off from your perspective, whether you, what your thoughts are on the current coach education pathway, and maybe just give a brief insight to what your pathway has been like. Um, sure. Appreciate um, going up first. Uh... My, my coaching pathway started uh, year 12, year 13 at 
at school where um, I was, I did the YSC, um, so it's like Youth Sports Leadership Award, um, coaching in local primary schools to my to my school, um, and then that that led to um, kind of being a facilitator slash um, a young leader at, at multi sports camps at at, univers- or at Middlesex University. Um, and it kind of grew into there, really. Uh, grew from there. Um, when I started my, my football coach development with the FA, um, there was there was the five courses: uh, one, two, UEFA A, uh, UEFA B, UEFA A, and Pro. Um, you say God in the first eight bits, but um, and that was it, really. So the the A license and the Pro license were the pedestal. Um, for me, it was always the goal once I once I started um, started coaching football, um, and then obviously as as I've continued down the pathway, the the prerequisites for for clubs kind of grew um, with the courses. So uh, the introdu- introduction of um, the, the youth modules or the or the FA Youth Award, um, uh, then going. A little bit further, I personally I went down the goalkeeping route as well. Um, so I did my level two goalkeeping um, as well as the UEFA B, a level three uh, FA goalkeeping coaching course. Um, but do you know, it was funny. I was, I was talking. Um, I was talking earlier about you know, just a little bit of prep and having a chat about coach education and how it's changed, and um, it's gone very specific. So. I'll um, I'll leave it there and we'll jump in whilst uh, Lily wants to jump us on stage. <laughs> nah, cheers for that. Cheers for that, Jack. Um, Abs, what are your thoughts, man? What you, you know, what's your journey been like? What's the experience been like for you? You know, and obviously, you know, there's been a lot of changes over the years with the coach education pathway, and I know you're still working hard towards uh, some of your qualifications. Yeah, do you know what? Um, it's, it's an interesting one because um, when I, when I first started coaching, which seems like a completely different lifetime now. Um, look, I was I was I was 14 years old, um, coaching a girls' team for a, you know a local local Sunday league girls' team who were very good by the way, um, and it was just like it was just me finding finding passion for something. Um, I didn't know anything about coaching courses, safeguarding any of that kind of stuff. Probably uh, getting people in trouble now. But um, I didn't know anything about any of that kind of that kind of stuff. Didn't know about coaches' pathways. All I knew was about what I'd experienced as a, as a player, the things that I was experiencing. So I say as a player, and I just kind of used to replicate that. Um, when coaching started to get a little bit more serious for me in terms of me understanding the process to teaching, um, I was probably about eighteen, nineteen years old. So similar to to, to Jack, um, about eighteen, nineteen years old. Um, I was a scholar myself at that at that time, um, and I would say that the coaches' education uh, programs that I've been a part of, um, even even right up to now, I, I, if I'm completely honest, um, I don't think they're fit for purpose. Um, I think um, I think the way that the courses used to be done were perhaps a little a little closer to the mark but here's the thing with, with, with our industry and I say our because football belongs to everybody um, our industry our football industry has been so dominated by money making 
uh, or money makers that it's you know the game lost its it, it, its soul a long time ago and where, wherever we look in the game you always find someone's trying to capitalise um, apologies little man is uh, going doogie over the Man United game um, wherever you look in football there's always someone trying to capitalise and in this instance it's, it's actually the FA the FA are trying to capitalise um, so you know there's and, and don't get me wrong I understand how difficult it must be to write a course that everybody can be a part of because football belongs to the people um, you know but it's we, we, we've kind of taken that elite edge away from our coaching courses um, I would say that the, the, the qualifying criteria to get onto, onto some of these courses have, have lowered so much so um, that we're seeing you know we're seeing people coach that perhaps shouldn't be um, and I think I've been involved in, in some fantastic discussions with uh, a good friend of mine Carl Ann uh, recently, we were talking about characteristics of, of you know, personality traits of, of, of coaches, and uh, you know how some people, uh, you know, are coaches and perhaps perhaps shouldn't be at, sort of beyond a certain level um, because they lack certain personality traits and whatnot. Um, and I, I think that's kind of really what we're seeing more now. It's kind of you know the floodgates are kind of open. They've lowered the the, the the bar so much that that any Tom, Dick, and Harry, which isn't a terrible thing. Um, but now, unfortunately, if you have this piece of paper, it now says that you've got the same qualification as somebody that's been coaching for 25 years. Now, me, for instance, I've been coaching 20 years. This is my 20th year going into 21 years of coaching. And I can be sat uh, in a room. Now, this is no disrespect to someone who's 18 years old. You know, forgive me, but... At 18 years old, you can go and get a UEFA B qualification and then technically go and lead an academy side or be, uh, you know, a YB phase lead coach even, you know. And then you'll have somebody like me who's got a UEFA B and then all of a sudden it's like, how are you on that same level? Does that make sense? Um, So it's just like, how, how how is that possible? So even now going into the A licence, it's like I can look at other guys that also have the A license, but they've been coaching for three years. You say to yourself, well, "Where's the where's the prestige?" Now, some people can be just good coaches; they can be uh, good with the with, with the delivery. Other people, with maybe a lack of experience, maybe they don't really understand how the game is played. They've never actually played. So now you have to look at the, at the courses themselves and the, and the qualifying criteria and the types of people that will allow them to go in the courses. And I think we're trying to make the game inclusive, but I think there. And I have to be look. I'm not going to be careful with what I say because I don't. I don't. Uh, some of you know that I don't care about offending people. But I think we've become too inclusive um, with with a lot of the education uh, aspects. We we're, try, we're almost forcing it. Um, people that don't actually have the right personality traits. We're trying to push people over the line, and then we wonder why uh, we're not uh, competing. Uh, at certain levels when it comes to developing players and, and, the, and the types of players that we develop we wonder why in the continent they do so much better than us because the education programme is so much better um, but yeah and then, listen I've, I've rambled on for, for, for a long time there uh, but that's just my opinion on it uh, and anyone else that wants to, to challenge me let's go
no i love that you know um don't worry about the ramble i think that's what we're here, what we're here for and it's just kind of share some views and perspectives and opinions you know i think you make a couple good points there you know there, it, it is probably difficult to write a course a single course if you like um for a collective amount of people with a different range of experiences and different working in different contexts so that kind of brings me to my first question you know um and obviously joe when you're ready let me know in it but the first question is i guess do you think they made a mistake when they kind of uh, amalgamated the two pathways from where they had the youth award pathway and then the core coaching pathway? So obviously, for those that don't know, um, back in 2000 or pre-2016, there was two, I guess, yeah, coach development pathways, coach education pathways in that you had the youth award, uh, which was kind of really focused around developing uh, environments and, and, you know, supporting coaches and becoming better age-specific coaches at the younger ages uh, within youth football, whereas... The traditional coaching pathway, your IE, your FA level one, two, right through to UEFA B and A license, was traditionally seen as uh, a pathway to more senior level coaching uh, and a much more heavily technical focused qualification. Um, so I don't know who wants to kind of go up first on that one. Um, um, Jack, do you want to go? So I, I was trying to unclear the mic. Um, <laughs> Where I'm in the car, I'm trying to be careful. Um, this is a it, it's a yes and a no. Uh, I think they they definitely it, it's a definitely a positive thing that they branched out to to um, target the difference between coaching um, youth football and, and coaching senior football um, because I think where individuals had a preference on how to coach senior football, they were taking that into the youth game. Um, and you know we're seeing byproducts of that uh, yesterday, last week, last month. Now, so um, it was—I uh, think it was a great idea to do that um, to to separate the the pathway. Um, but then what they started to do as, as prerequisites for the jobs or, or um, for anything in the professional game, you needed both or one of. Or so no one was really clear on where it would where it would take you if you were going to add this additional belt. So I was in grassroots football at the time. I was at a youth club, um, youth grass charter standard. You needed, um, you know, your youth awards to be, would support the club's application to charter standard football. Um, and it was, a, you know, as part of our our job role to, to attend the youth awards. Probably some of the best, you know, the, the best courses, um, course that I attended. I don't know if that was the actual tutor leading the course. I, I think predominantly more that than, than the content, uh, but the content was thought-provoking at the time and the environment that I was in. So um, I, I think it was a good thing, uh, especially for coach education. Um, but then I don't... Where where I don't think they've followed it up with um, is where they've gone, obviously, into the foundation phase, um, advanced youth awards for youth de- uh, YD, um, pro dev, uh, the older age groups or through the age groups in the academy system um, I don't understand why they just don't name it the same in the grassroots level um, and then you know then you, then you can know where you as a coach you know where you're kind of going and you can see your journey in front of you um, right so I need to do my, my level 2 or my foundation phase youth award um, which allows me to work within the foundation phase grassroots or academy so it, it's the same picture across the board uh, you know, uh, and all the way through. Um, that's my initial thoughts. I'm, I'm bumbling. I don't want to ramble because um, there's more upstairs. I, I'll pass. I'll pass the baton on and, and come back with a little bit more. 
in a second. Yeah, go on, Abs. I think you had your mic ready, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, I was just, just going to say to Jack, you know, he, he, made, he made some interesting points and he kind of um, stirred the pot a little bit. Um, Jack, are you suggesting that potentially uh, there should be separate awards for pro coaching and grassroots coaching? Um, I'm not... Yes, yes, there I am. Um, I think there's a, there's a clear difference between uh, recreational and development football and, uh, and professional environment football. Um, you know, if you want to go for a job in an academy for, you know, YB lead or, or, or phase lead, um, whichever category, um, I know attached to it now is the is the advanced youth awards and the age-specific advanced youth awards. So, um, and they are, you know, nice to have or essentials, probably essentials for the majority of clubs um, for the season ahead. So, that's one way of doing it, but as, you know, you're talking about experience. Um, is there an experience gap on uh, as a prerequisite to go on one of those advanced youth awards? Don't see why not. Um, there's prerequisites that you have to work with eleven v eleven. And stir the little pot a little bit more. I, I think two thirds of the individuals on my way for a um, course that I had the pleasure of going to St George's Park for still a candidate, haven't passed the, the program yet. Um, you know, they're in the, the Wyatt um, Foundation phase. But it's not 11 v 11, but, you know, it's that, well, how comes you're on the course if you're only working with 7 v 7 or 5 v 5? So I think it's the same thing as that, Abs. I don't know. What do you think? Do you know what? Let me jump in on that one quick. Um, Abs, I think there definitely should be two pathways. Um, I know certainly in the last couple of years that I've, you know, uh, delivering coach education myself and having a discussion with a range of different people that I think at UEFA B, um, I think the UEFA B should still be open to grassroots, but I think there should be a different element. Similar to how, you, you know, when you're, if you are an ex-pro maybe, you've got um, the UEFA B that you do with the PFA. It's not, it's not structured in the same way as the, you know, the, the public one, if you like. Um, so I think that's just something to kind of think about. Secondly, beyond that, in the, you know, Jacques, you made some good points there in that, you know, in the elite pathway and the recreation pathways, you know, two, two very different environments. I think where they could, where they could maybe further develop it, I think, I think potentially bring back an element of what maybe the youth award was and have that as, um, which it was then to be fair, when you got up to module three and you got you signed off at the youth award, you were, you know, you were equivalent to a UEFA B at, at that level is a level three qualification essentially i think with the advanced youth award you know i've had the pleasure of obviously being able to do that convers uh, the, uh, qualification myself and for me i certainly feel that on that course it was very tailored to the to the age group that you want to work with now the problem you have with something like the advanced youth award unfortunately is because it's become a, a a recent qualification where a lot of academies are asking for coaches to have those qualifications it doesn't necessarily specify all the time either whether it should be a specific phase so if you're a foundation phase coach as an example or better yet you're a youth development phase coach but there's an opportunity for you to go on the foundation phase advanced youth award if you're able to get on it and tick that box there's nothing to say later down the line that you know you can't work with the youth development phase or whatnot because when you're actually assessed and i'm sure you know you know you guys are maybe going to go through this very soon um, both of your A licenses and, and maybe hopefully beyond, you'll find that 
at the end of the day, you're going to get assessed based on the group that you're working with. So you may get, you may get ticked off, and your certificate may say you know advanced youth award for the foundation phase, but actually your whole your whole assessment process or you know your case study is built around a youth development phase age group because you might have moved age groups while you were doing the course if you, if that makes sense. Um, on the point of obviously the A license being applicable for the foundation phase, it's always been a topic of discussion, and I think where maybe the E triple P could kind of come in and reshape things is almost say that actually it's probably more important to have a B license and then maybe an age-specific advanced youth award as opposed to have an A license and then have a desirable advanced youth award, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, that's just a couple of things off the back of what Jack said, but it'll be interesting well, no, to see what you've used. It ties into what Abs was saying about, you know, solid, let's, if we're going to stir the pot, let's do it properly, that the EPPP is supporting the FA on, on monetizing courses. Um... Uh, was it, what was the last? I don't. I don't know how long. How much the, the last UEFA Ray course was? It was four, four and a half. Five and a half grand. Five. Five and a half grand. You know, and you get to stay at the Hilton. I mean, but I know. I know friends of mine that are, that are in the audience that have seen the faces. They're, they've been doing it virtually, so I don't know if there's been a discount because it's virtual. And obviously, you don't pay for that. Not Do you know what? I mean. It's been. Do you know what? To be fair, you used to get a T-shirt. They took that. They took that element out. They said, "No, nah, we're not putting that in anymore." You're still paying full price, though. But to be fair, the course has been uh, restructured over the last couple of years. Um, I know that certainly pre two thousand and seventeen. I think when I did mine, uh, I think my, mine was like the first course that kind of got restructured and is, is was assessed in the way it currently is. In other words, not having a final assessment. It's not. You do your two weeks, you go there, you know, at the end of your two weeks and you deliver a final assessment. It, my course was at the first one where they really piloted this idea of an ongoing assessment, if you like. Um, so we, you know, I, but I think the process itself, I think it's definitely benef beneficial. Um, and, I, and, I've got, and I've got two kind of thoughts of thoughts on it. One, with the pathway the way it is, I think certainly what you'll get is more specialist if you like coaches working in different age groups and different um environments i think the challenge you have with it is because of the way it's now been assessed and this is probably where coming back to what you were saying apple in that you know the quality of the standard may not be as what it once was is that technically i think there's a lot le lot less emphasis on it there's a lot less of a spotlight on the technical information that goes into the into the sessions um therefore you know it kind of then where you've got this assessment process that kind of is deemed competent or not based on your technical information and people will complain and that way it's too subjective because it's down to the tutor and what they think and what boxes you can tick for them it, it kind of still is the same but you may be just being assessed on different areas rather than the technical information and I feel like the challenge we have now especially when you're now looking at elite players in elite environments the coaches coming through may not necessarily have that same depth of knowledge um, not to say that you can just grab that off a course and you're good to go, but I think there's le there's much more onus and emphasis now for the coaches to go out and do their own research and do their own study um, of this technical aspect of the game, if you like. And, and that's and, and this is this is where I think there's a problem because I think what what this is just my my take on it. And yes, you'll you'll know a little bit better. You're you're an educator yourself, and I'm sure there's a a few educators in the in the, in the room um, what we see now more on coaching courses is process they teach process um, they don't teach detail um, and this is the reason why sorry to sort of go into a bit of a side topic here 
But um, and this is why I also think that at least if that's how they're going to do things, they have to start regulating the one-to-one coaching industry, and there has to be detail-focused, detail-related courses um, for, for 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 those specific elements. Um, and I'm sure there's some people that are in the audience that do one-to-one coaching, and they'll be having fits, you know, because they they might think that it's not necessary. But you have to remember that not everybody is is as good at one-to-one coaching as, as you might be uh, and they don't understand what one-to-one coaching is supposed to be so you know it's about recreating uh, pictures from games and uh, either strengthening strengths or strengthening weaknesses um, or it's about improving fitness and there's certain elements and, and uh, one of the things that really bothers me is when I see someone um, and it bothers me for one reason but I'm not going to get into that just, just, just yet get into one it of the things that, <laughs> Trust me, listen. Yes, you know what, me. <laughs> um, one of the things that bothers me is if I see uh, perhaps someone who's got a level two badge and they are coaching uh, a professional football player. Now, my question is, how is that possible? How? how what gives you the right to, to to go over the guys that have done the study and done the experience because you know someone? And then you have a look at what they're, uh, you know, what they're doing in the one-to-one session, and you think to yourself, "This is scandalous." And I'm seeing people charging obscene amounts of money. Now, listen, I, I'm a, look, I, I don't come from anything, you know, I, can't, I, I come from nothing, so I respect anyone's hustle, but there has to be quality attached to your product. Hundred um, percent. But I think you know, there's a couple of things that apps. Firstly, you're right. There is a, and I think this whole pandemic situation is kind of just a. Uh, you know, completely blown the market out in terms of how many one-to-one coaches there are. You know, everyone's everyone's still trying to make an income, if you like. But I think the problem is, especially when it comes to younger players, youth players, it's very easy for coaches who do the one-to-one stuff to kind of pull the wool over uh, a parent's eye and make them assume that what they're doing is good for the player, if you like. Um, I think there definitely could be some more regulation on, on that. But, the, but the, the other key part is, and I think this is where maybe the FA need to kind of maybe think about it and, and probably address it quite quickly, in 2011, obviously, brought in the Licensed Coaches Club, which is obviously going to try and uh, monitor and, if you like, regulate some of the coaches and their qualifications to ensure they were doing CPD. Because, you know, at that point, you could have had a level one for 15 years. Uh, you could have been coaching kids in Crestland Park, like you were at, at the age of 16. Um, and, you know, you no one would be able to tell you that you're not qualified. Now, obviously, you know, off the back of the pandemic, they've scrapped their licensed coaches club. So it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward now to kind of monitor and assess whether people are staying up to date or in date with some sort of CPD. Um, I know that there's talks. I don't know anything anything official, but with the UEFA B and UEFA A licensed qualifications, you need to uphold a certain amount of hours now and it needs to be evidenced. Otherwise, your qualification becomes invalidated. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens on that front. But it's interesting, you know, if we come back to the co- the actual coach education piece now, do you think that the courses as they are now are serving a purpose for for the environments they're kind of catered to? It's a one-size-fits-all. It's too one-size-fits-all because, look, when you walk into a classroom, you've got... No, I'm not going to blow my own trumpet, but I know football. Um and I'll stand my own in, in the room with, with some of the best. I know that. So you walk into a room and there are some very talented coaches and then there are guys that you wouldn't trust your three-year-old with. You know, and, and it's just that there's no consistency. There's no continuity of quality. Uh, and, you know, it's like you, you've got X amount of people who are actually good at what they do 
And look, passion is great. Everyone should have passion and you should be encouraged to follow your passion. But there's at no point should somebody of a certain level be sitting in the same classroom as somebody of another level. That just shouldn't happen. Uh, but there's a reason for it, not because I'm an elitist or, uh, you know, I, I want there to be this great divide of separation. No, not at all. Football should be inclusive. But we are, we also have to understand that when you do, when there's an application process, we need to refine the application process. So when we run a course, we can say, OK, this particular course is going to be for that batch of people because they are from a semi-professional playing background or a professional playing background or they've done A, B and C because bear in mind that not everybody that has got their B and A licence has been a professional footballer doesn't mean to say they're going to be a bad coach so therefore we have to improve our application process um, unfortunately the reason why there's so many issues with the, with, with the courses is because they want it to be all inclusive because it's a business um, it, it's the FA's biggest business other than cards and fines, it's courses, um, which is, the, you know, and, and uh, this is why I find it quite scandalous in the sense that some people will go and do their advanced uh, youth award, you know, or some people have, a, they, have to, they have to have a choice between either their A licence or their advanced youth award, um, because how much it costs is just obscene. Now, you could do your advanced youth award and then get a nudge to go upstairs and play with it and, and coach with the seniors. Now you've got to go and do your A licence. That's another five and a half grand. Instead, what we should be doing, if the FA were really, really about educating and about developing, they would say, okay, if you've got your B licence, uh, let's say it's it, it's assessed for foundation phase, we will start to run bolt-on courses or upskilled courses or, or conversion courses for those that have that qualification and now want to move into widely and senior football. Now, that way, you're not going to spend five and a half grand. We're going to make it more attainable or more obtainable for the coach, um, more affordable, and we'll say, okay, well, rather than charge you X amount, we'll just make this a bolt-on course or, or an upskill course, and that will take away the cost, and you'll end up with the same qualification. But no, we don't do that, and that's because it's a business. So once once football gets its head out of its own ass and, and we actually start making it make sense, I think we'll start seeing real genuine improvements, and that's the reason why this country is so far behind with its coach development and its coach education. If you go to Holland... It's it's different. It's so different. Their tactical understanding and technical knowledge is. I mean, if you look at their level two, their level one course, their level one course makes our UEFA B look average. Not in the sense that the information is so is is so in depth, but they're teaching you about things that you know that that they should be seeing from football players. We shouldn't be watching a game of football, professional football, in uh, sort of. We'll talk about League One and League Two. We shouldn't be watching League One and League Two and we're watching guys that can't receive a ball in a half turn. We shouldn't be seeing that. But yet they're in but they're there because they're fantastic athletes and they play with desire. That's why England will not win a World Cup. So, you know, or, or even a European championship. So until we improve our coaching, we cannot improve our recruitment. We cannot improve our recruitment if we cannot improve our coaching, our technical knowledge. So, and it's, it, you know, the two things go hand in hand. It's a business. It's unfortunate that it is the way that it is. Um, I just don't think it's, it's not likely to change until we see change of leadership in the FA. No, definitely. Jack, I saw your mic flashing there. No, no I, I, was, I was agreeing, um, to be honest. It, it's, um, 
it does it does need to it does need to enhance itself. I think there's a, there's an element of when you go on courses, especially when they're put on such a high pedestal by um, E Triple B, professional clubs, professional academies. Um, you know, I've been chasing the A license from from 18, and I, you know I got on the course a year and a half ago. Um, I'm 32. And I was ish, chasing it for that long, but doing had to take two, three years between the course to make sure I understood. I was, I was working through the playing formats of the prerequisites of the course to understand each each stage for myself. You know, working from under eights all the way up to uh, to men's football, and that's when I, you know, that's when I took the real the, the real dive and started to apply for UA for a license. But um, don't get me wrong, it took me three three or four steps until um, uh, until the the BME bursary came up, and I started and then I applied through the A license like that. That was the opportunity that I had. Um, it, it, it took and it took a while, but I only had that opportunity because I was a little bit more proactive. Okay, so what do these FA tutors have to do to be able to deliver these courses? In 2017-18, I went for the um, affiliate tutor role with the FA um, to understand, you know, what's okay. So what's behind the, you know, the presentations and the and the. You know the BFA club are and, and everything else, so they can never, you know. And it was great insight. I think I, I walked, I walked in and, and did an education and training course for free. It was brilliant. One of the best courses that I've ever been on. And I think it, at that time they were transitioning um, that the holistic approach, just the, that the, the process, just that little bit more um, from where it had been. A massive change in the in the tutoring staff. Um, or the staff that were delivering the courses uh, quite an overhaul um, from my neck of the woods anyway some of the old names um, which was a shame so I agree with I, I agreed with that absolutely wrong um, that so I'm just getting the M6 um, you know then the assessment does need need to be a little bit old school with with this new school approach there needs to be a real blend I know, I know you want to go on moving forward um, on to moving forward um, but that technical detail has got to be there I was um, uh, part of a collaboration for a company that I work for um, they've just partnered with a, another style coach education program or a technical technical based I don't know whether to mention them or not, but um, a gentleman called Alf runs that company. And um, I sat on one of their introductory virtual courses for our collaboration on Saturday. And that married up technical detail plus plus science. They're, they're on a plate. They're for you to read. This is why we do this. This is why we do that. And I don't think I've ever had that from a from a FA course. Um, you know, here's the formula of why we do it. Mm. Where... For, where in previous courses that I've been on, it's kind of like, well, what would you teach? What what did the players see? And it's the process, like Apple said. So, and there's no definitive answer. And I think there's so many. At one point in my career as a coach, I was looking for someone to give me answers. Uh, I hold my hands up because the the pathway or my pathway. At one point, I didn't feel like I I, I knew enough, so I needed more information from other people. Now. Um, where I am in my coaching is something completely different. I've got a game model, 
my own game responsibilities, my own principles of play, and that's all been built of you know the last two um, off my A license really, um, and, and, a, and a bit of work before that. So uh, to tie it back out, there, there does need to be a little bit more. Um, gosh, I've forgotten the, the old term that the boys that the, the old shooters used to say, like um, what you know what I say you do type. <laughs> autocratic style uh, of delivery um, with with good quality technical detail um, where it, it just got a bit fluffy in the middle for my gen for me in the last six years it just went a bit too fluffy and um, if, it, if it's then and it's too much reading for the players um, the recruitment side of it I believe is um, you're only going to see raw talent come through rather than like coach talent come through. Exactly, that is that is so on the money. Uh, I just I agree so heavily with everything that you've just said. We have become way too fluffy. We've become too holistic. We've gone in the other direction. It's um, it's, forgive me for turning it political, but it's, if you look at where we are politically, we've gone from being so um, from being uh, a labour-run country. To, to, to the point of where everyone started to rebel and revolt and it's now gone too conservative and now society in order in its weird way to revolt has gone too liberal again um, or is certainly heading that way um, we, I, I don't think the holistic approach is the best approach um, as you said otherwise all we're seeing is the raw talent the, the just you know the naturally gifted players will, will make it through but what about those lads that, need, that actually need information and need to be told how to do a certain thing a certain way as opposed to just finding their own way. Because, you know, we kind of we take away the teaching element um, by doing that. Um, we kind of just, you end up really a babysitter, a glorified babysitter. Um, and a lot of coaches, you know, I roll up to MK and I'll see a lot of coaches, they set up these sessions that look great and they don't coach. They don't coach, they stand back and go, what do you think? You can't let the, forgive me, but you can't let the patients run the asylum. Um, you know, you have to be the doctor. You have to, you, you know, love that, love we that. are educated. You know, we, we have to teach them. That's why we're there. We have to show them. No, Daryl, you don't take the ball like that on the turn. This is how you take it on a half turn. Your body has to make that shape. This is the reason why it has to make that shape. Athletically, mechanically, this is why. Then that now leads into your next skill move or your next move. And your head's got to be up. You have to be able to do these kinds of things. We don't do that anymore. Instead, if you, if you know, if you're caught saying something like that, it's, oh well, don't you think that you're limiting them? Well, no, not really. But then it's so difficult to argue uh, to argue against it when it's your head of coaching telling you, this is how we want to do things. We want it to be more holistic. And you say, okay, but it's not realistic. It's holistic, but it's not realistic. Um, but yeah, that's just that's just my opinion. Jack, I'm again right on the money, mate. Absolutely right on the money. No, well, uh, no, I appreciate, but you're right there. I think there's coach education, right? And, and then I believe there's a coaching craft. So the your coaching craft of when to be, no, do this, or what did you see there? Why were you trying that? What what was the picture that you saw? And let's work it out. Let's why let's work it out why you took it on your front foot and your back foot. Let's work it out why you know you didn't see the first time pass. Blah, 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 blah. So there's a time to ask questions, 100%, and you go through the coaching interventions, but they're a bit rigid as it is, but that's enough. That's, that's a talking topic for another night, maybe, yes. But um, it's the craft of, of when to be holistic and when to and when not to, like, and tell them what to do, because otherwise, um, 
you become a facilitator. But the onus is on the educator, I believe, on the education to give you the three, maybe four ingredients of that craft of coaching, of the coaching craft. And you, as an individual that's just paid five and a half k for four k, three k bursary, don't get me wrong, ten percent. Uh, you know, whatever it might have been, you as an individual piece together your craft out of the four or five ingredients that we should give you. Um, where, or you go the long way around and you learn it on your own, you've got a bit of as you've got a bit of experience, you've played the game, you haven't played the game. Um, you know, I don't know, it's like them pre-made salad dresses that you get from, from any supermarket, you've got to shake it up before you put it on the salad, otherwise you just get one chunk at a time, um, like a chunk of oil at the top. Excuse the analogy i don't know where i was going there but um i hope that makes sense it does make sense and what makes even more sense guys is for you guys to click on all four of our profiles hit that follow button hit that bell button make sure you hit the little greenhouse at the top subscribe and follow to the coaches network um and you know just kind of just touch on what everyone's been saying so far guys you know you're tuned into the live edition of the coaches network podcast where we're discussing coach education courses i'm joined by jack edward uefa a licensed candidate Apple Westcott, UA for A license candidate, and Joe Black, who will be joining us very shortly uh, to tell us a little bit more about his journey and his thoughts on the on the topic tonight. Um, but just on that note, guys, uh, join that discussion on Twitter as well. Hashtag the Coaches Network. Uh, I know there's a few comments coming flat uh, coming through on there as well. So make sure you let everyone know what what we're talking about. Uh, let us know your thoughts. There will be an opportunity for people to join the stage shortly um, to get some questions in and throw some opinions about as well, so we can get the you know, get the conversation going. But on that, you know, there's a couple of things that Jack and Apple have just touched there. Um, you know, it is that holistic, you know, I think I think holistic is the way to go. Um, but I think coming back to one of your previous points and, you know, about maybe having some bolt-ons around some of that, some of the additional content for the co- uh, coaches might be worth kind of pursuing. Um, you know, it was a shame to see kind of the FA dissolve the position-specific courses because I think maybe you've got some of that technical detail that we're talking about there in those courses. Um, they previously had the developing midfielders, developing defenders and developing um, strikers or forwards courses before. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether that kind of resurfaces over the next couple of years or at any point in the future. Um, Jack, to kind of, you know, touch on your point as well regarding the science attached to it. And I think, um, to be fair, where the FA have, you know, gone with the advanced youth award in some of those elements, you probably do get some of that, some of that um, science attached to it. There is a bit more research kind of, I think there's research going throughout all the all the courses they do, but I think there's a bit more shared about what the research actually is and and how it actually links into what they what you're being taught, if you like. Um, but again, apps back to your one as well, and you know, you're talking there about going on the courses, and I think when coaches are on courses, it, it is a bit of the luck of the draw with a coach educator as well. You know, I'm sure you've been on courses, and I'm sure as well for yourself, Jack and Joe, and everyone else in the audience there. If you've ever been on a coach education course, it might not be the course that's uh, the content of the course specifically that's kind of made it a good or bad experience, if you like. It might be the actual tutor that's in front of you delivering. Uh, it might be how well you can get connected you are to that tutor or even just the cohort of the people that are on your course. So there's so many variables within that. I mean, I certainly find from my experience as, a, as, as an educator that you know I deliver so many different courses, but no one course is the same or no two courses are the same, rather. Um, you know, you kind of got a, you got you got a core content that you want to kind of cover, but how how much depth and breadth you give to each area will be based on the the group in front of you essentially. Um, but it'd be interesting to maybe get your perspectives on if there's any key uh, areas that you've gone through your path when you thought you know that that's really helped me, or there's some specific parts that maybe you've you've had experience with that you felt you know what 
I'm not too sure that that, that 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 was required or if the courses are even pitched at the right levels. I know Apple, you touched on obviously the you know the Dutch uh, level one equivalent, if you like, and and you know the level of detail that goes into that. It was interesting. I was having a conversation recently with Raymond Verheyen, uh, you know the the world renowned Dutch coach. Um, he's he's now working as a coach educator, and you know we had we had a really in depth discussion, which you should also uh, keep an eye out for over the next couple of weeks coming out live on the Coaches Network podcast. Um, we talked about you know whether there's enough information being given to coaches on how to actually coach, um, and you know coming back to the experience that you talked about where coaches are stepping back and just saying you know asking too many questions. I think questions are brilliant, um, but at some point you need to get in there and coach the detail. But then. This is where one of my frustrations comes and one of my observations is I'm not too sure that enough of the modern-day coach educators actually have that knowledge themselves. So if they haven't got it, what hope have the coaches got? Now, that's, that's, that's what my observation is. And I'll, and I'll be honest, you know, I've, I've seen some coach educators and I think to myself, hmm, would I come to one of your courses? But maybe that's me yes. looking at it from the other side of the, of the situation. Do you know what I mean? Having gone yes. through... Can, can I jump on that? Go one for second. it. Sorry to jump in. I, I hate to do this to you. Um, what you just said there is exactly my issue when it comes to uh, when it comes to jobs and, uh, and and coaching. So the same way you just said, look, there are other educators that you've looked at and you think to yourself, wow, would I really want to be in that course? I look at a lot of coaches and say, how the hell do we have the same qualification? How? Tell me how. How... How do we have the same education, but this is what you're doing, and but this is what this is I the key doing. thing, though, Apps. It's the same qualification, not education. And this is the issue. So therefore, this one size fits all uh, approach to, to, to courses does not work. So, Jack, if you want to do a petition to the FA saying, <laughs> "Hey, let's have grassroots qualifications, and then let's have, hey, I'm a serious coach qualification." Like, if that's what we want to do, then I, I will sign that petition. Uh, I, I think I think what what's probably another way to look at it, Apps, is when you you know coming back to something that you said as well, Jack. You talked about working through the age groups to get some your get some experiences and I guess try and understand the pathway. I think for me, where one of the benefits I've had in my personal coaching journey is I kind of knew before I got into it or when I first got into it that the age group that I was coming into was probably in and around the age that I wanted to work with. I think not enough coaches understand or have really considered where do i actually see myself fitting in in terms of that coach development that youth development pathway is it even within youth development and you know there's this quite often what you see and not just in elite football if you like but even in grassroots a lot of coaches start with the youngest age groups in the foundation phase whether that be the sevens eights nines tens or whatever that might be but actually they just don't really have a skill set for that age group at all. And it's not to say that you can't learn these things, but there's going to be some things you're naturally more inclined to, uh, I guess, um, working within. So for me personally, I mean, I started my coaching journey with working at under-14s boys. I knew from the get-go that this is the age group that I want to work with, in and around that age group or, you know, kind of anything upwards. And now, you know, I've been coaching for just over 10 years and the majority of my experiences have been predominantly with 14s to kind of 23s. With, with experiences here and there, you know, outside of that, because I do think it's important to get some of those experiences. But, you know, my my message would be that any coach listening to this that's considering what pathway to go down or whether they've recently just come into the game, how they should maybe approach it is 
think about straight away where do you see yourself end up where do you want to end up and then really target those age groups even if it is in grassroots so if i know that i want to work at under 16s and i want to go and work in the elite game at, with, at, with um you know man united or chelsea's whoever's academy at under 16s go and understand what it looks like to work with under 16s there's no point working with eights nines tens to then go and say, right, I still want to work with 16s. Yes, it might be important to have some of those experiences, some of those observations that you might make and learn off coaches in different ways. But I think you really need to be a bit more specific and tailored around the environment you put yourself in in the first place. Agreed. Definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, you know, when, I, when I was thinking about what you, were, what you mentioned... Um, you know, going, I was going through the questions before before coming on the call, and one thing I learned, or one thing I'll do, like you know, do again is I'd be more specific about what level I wanted to coach at. Um, but whilst you were talking, then yes, I was just thinking, I, I don't know the, the amount of volunteers there are in the game, and and you know that hold up non-league clubs, uh, the grassroots clubs, all the volunteers, mums, dads, you know, coaches supporting a safe environment for young people on their journey in football is second to none and once you have the bug of supporting in football and developing within football it's hard to shake so that, that there's there's a massive element of that 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 has to be considered I think there's just where where I am personally on my pathway um, I, I wouldn't want anyone to, to you know, to judge compared to where they are on their journey, the, the bug of coaching is so hard to shake um, and, and and get rid of. So it's there is that balance, and I think that's why there should be you know, two strands of course, one 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 for um, the grassroots level game and one for the professional. But I think you need that. There was one more. Also, sorry, excuse me. Let me get my head straight. Whilst you were speaking, also I was thinking of a good friend of mine that, that joined an, a, an academy. Um, I think they're I think they're they're a cat two between the cat two and the cat three uh, academy. And his um, induction process was probably one of the best induction processes I've uh, I've heard okay, for for me personally. And that was that he spent he, he spent two weeks in the foundation phase, two weeks in the YD phase, and then two weeks observing the, the pro development phase, right? And whilst he was in and around those age groups for the for the two weeks each, he was being assessed. And then it was kind of, well, the next season's coming up and, you know, you scored 15 out of 20 with this age group, uh, 12 out of 10 and uh, 12 out of 20 and uh, an 8 out of 20 on this one. And, and it's like, okay, so we're going to work with you for your DAP or, your, you know, your development action plan point to, you know, work with this phase. I thought that was, that's... That's not bad. So they weren't they weren't hiring for a specific age group need assistant or anything else like that. But they were just looking for good people. I thought that was an incredible induction process. Mm. I, th- I think that does sound good. I don't know why anyone else thinks I disagree. No, Jamie, that that actually sounds like the way that if, look, if I was head of coaching, that's probably more of what I would do. Yeah, don't get me wrong. If a coach leaves, you know, you're looking for a specific type. But I think if you're going to do. Uh, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you can, I would say try to invite them in for a few sessions. And uh, if you can get them in with the foundation, with the YB with the pro phase and sort of see where they fit in and if, if they if they fit in really you know sort of into in, in, in the environment where you actually have the space available no I think I think you know, it's, it's a great way of doing things I think the only thing is it's time how much time have you got to kind of put someone through that sort of process but you know and the other side is if you bring someone into oh, you an know, environment you know, how, you know how much time they've got in the game in the, in, in the, pro, in, in the academies you know, they've got so much time yeah, you know, I, I, I think the only thing I would say is a lot of people go into these clubs and they've got they want a ready-made product. They want someone who's just going to slot right in. They don't want to have to hold anyone's hand to find out where they're going to fit in. And this why this is why sometimes it's, it, it it comes back to that whole thing of you know it's not what you know it's who you know. So if you've got the right like people the around you, as well. yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, I'm just going to take a second here to refresh the room again. Uh, just want to give a quick shout out to all. All the mothers out there, my wife especially, um, Jack, yours, you know, your recent one, um, and apps, you know, your, congrats on your recent one as well, um, and happy Mother's Day to Joe Black too. <laughs> but um, you tune into the live edition of the Coaches Network podcast, guys. Um, we're discussing coach education courses here in the UK specifically, more specifically England. Um, it'll be interesting to get your thoughts and opinions on everything the guys are discussing. Use the hashtag the Coaches Network on Twitter to join in the conversations on there. I know there's a couple a couple points being made at the moment. Um, and if you've got anything you want to add, feel free to raise your hand. You know we'll start bringing people to the stage. And we've got the first person here already. Um, let's bring her to the stage. I think she's here. Chloe, yes, I am. Hi, you're on you're stage. Right. Thank you. Um, it's a really interesting discussion. So a bit of background on me. I, I've only done a level one um, and I've been coaching for about eight years. And to be honest, the reason why I haven't been able to progress to do a level two has mainly been financial. Um, and although I've worked for a few different clubs, no one's ever kind of pointed me in the right direction of doing a level two. Um, but what I find really interesting about this discussion is that I, I feel that over the period of eight years coaching that I've developed a greater knowledge in football than other people who have done a level one um so kind of at the same time I feel as if you know I've got got maybe the experience of someone who would have done a level two but without actually having done it um and I, I think what I found most annoying about it is the fact that it, it really holds me back it, it's holding me back from you know potential other coaching roles because everybody's looking for at least a level two um so that's the first thing the other thing is i actually do agree with you about about you know differentiating between the pro game and the grassroots um and it does confuse me sometimes when i look at the age groups and i'm thinking okay so if i've done a level one what 
what age group would be too old for me to coach because of my qualification? Am I looking at under 14s? Am I looking at under 12s? What, what, how does it relate? And then if I've done AUA for A, UA for B, or my level two, how does that then change um, what, what age groups I can work with? Or really does it? Because I, you know, I work alongside uh, level two coaches. I work alongside UA for um, B coaches. And they're all doing the same job as me. They're taking on the same teams as me. Yes, to some extent, some of them have, you know, the, the higher abilities. Um, but I don't see a lot of differentiation between what I do and what they do. So I, I'd just be interested to know your thoughts on that, really. Yeah, no, th- thank you for coming to the stage, Chloe. I think, it's, you know, it's, it's a interesting conversation so far. And I think that's an interesting point you've made. The first thing I would say is, um, and obviously I'll let Jacques and Apps and Joe, when he's ready to come and jump in on it. But first thing I would say is, you can, you can have all the experience in the world but some people will still require certain qualifications but at the same time you know you, you something really key that you mentioned that you've been coaching for eight years and you feel like you might be on the same level as some level two coaches uh, let, let, let me let me be frank and blunt with you you you're probably just as good as maybe some you have for b and you have for a license coaches out there and this is where i guess the, you know the crux of this conversation is really you know coming at certainly from apple's perspective um in that understanding just you got because you've got a qualification doesn't necessarily make you a top coach, doesn't make you a great coach. Um we've lost her, but she made an interesting point, so I'll carry on. Um yeah, just because you've got those qualifications doesn't necessarily mean you are a, a good coach. But what you'll understand is going through the qualifications is just a formality in some ways. And what you do with those qualifications and the experience you get in between that is obviously down to you. I'll, you know, I'll get I'll share an example. So I remember when I finished my UEFA B license um a number of years ago now. You know the coach, the coach educator had no idea what I was actually doing on a day to day, and no had no no idea about my environment and and the circumstances I was coaching in. Um, so I was actually coaching about twenty hours a week um, at the time across a very different, very varied ranges of environments. You know, from outfield coaching to goalkeeping coaching, and you know, in the academy sitting and outside of it too. Now, when I finished my UEFA B license, this is part of the issue on the action plan. He said, "Go away and do fifty hours at this level, and then go and do your A license." Little did he know that, that that was literally just three weeks for me. And, and it's the key part. It's, you know, there's very generic things that coach educators in some of these courses direct you to do, which leaves you to kind of to your own devices a little bit. Now, in, t- in, terms, of your, in terms of your personal circumstances, one thing you might want to consider is touching base with your county FA. I know that some of the county FAs um, over recent months, I don't know how the pandemic has maybe affected it, but there was something called the 100 FC Women's Club which is basically a bursary that was available for female coaches to go and uh, pursue their level two. And in some cases, maybe even, I think, get some sort of support for their maybe B license qualifications if they were ready for it. Um, so it might just be worth something to consider there. Um, one other thing that I find as well with grassroots clubs, and I actually ended up getting my, uh, my youth module one, two and three paid for by my grassroots club at the time because I just asked, is there a pot available for you to kind of um, put towards my coach education courses? Um, and you'll be surprised how, m- how many clubs actually have a pot they never really tell anyone about. Even county FAs, they've got a pot, they never really advertise it. And you'll end up finding out that just by asking the question, you might actually just get some funding. Um, so just that's just a little bit from me. Uh, I don't know if Jack, you, if Mike's flashing, I don't know if you want to jump in. Um, no, I, um, uh, great story, Chloe. And, uh, you know, eight, eight years down the pathways, it's awesome to be in the game. Um, I'm not sure if uh, Levy wants to be on stage too. So, so um, 
I speak for Liberal Ireland, I speak for Queen's One one hundred percent seek funding from the either your local county FA or direct to um, the FA education. There, there, there's bursaries um, all over the place for, for level two and level three. Um, so I believe I still have the contact in my phone book um, for for the individual that works with the bursaries. So um, feel free to connect with me after, and um, I should be able to you know put an email between the two of you, and then you can ask them the questions. Um, yeah, Jack, you better uh, drop me that contact, mate. <laughs> You better drop me that contact before you give that to Chloe. <laughs> you know, I just had to double check in the in, in the room to see if my um, my in situ tutor was in as well, just to make sure that I get signed off for my A license before um, when we get back to normal. That for everything that we've been talking about. So yes, um, that that should be fine. So so contact me away from here. Should be able to help with, with some sort of um, bursary for your for your level two if there's a financial um, thing. Preventing you from progressing in your in your coach education, um, and and secondly, yes, yes is right. You know, you could be working alongside. I've worked alongside um, UEFA B, UEFA A coaches, and felt um, that. Oh wait a minute, I can play ball here too. I'm not. No, I can. Excuse the pun, but I can go one v one here as well. Um, so, you know, uh, but challenge yourself, and the qualification allows that uh, and, and demonstrates that you've you know. Um, I, I dislike the word um, or the phrase like tick boxes. There, there's a reason for the courses. There is a reason. Uh, I still believe in that because uh, you're going to pick up something that you didn't know the morning of the course 100%, whether it's over tea with somebody who's a candidate um, or, or the tutor. You're going to pick something up in that environment because everyone's, you know, everyone's there to learn. So um, the, the courses are, are brilliant for that. Um, that's one, that's two. Um, yeah, I, nah, uh, nothing more. That's it. Connect with me after, and it's um, it's important to jump on the courses. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. I will connect with you after this. And just just a final one as well, Chloe. You, um, another point that you mentioned was regarding the. I'm just trying to think now. You said something else. I was just about to repeat. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Um, if I remember, I'll, I'll bring you back to the stage. Um, but apps, you know, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, and, and just to share your your experiences regarding your co your coaching qualifications. I know that you're currently doing your A license. Um, am I right in thinking you're doing it virtually as well? No, 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 no. So there's, there's huge delays all over the place with, with, with various different things and different reasons, and nothing's really being explained uh, appropriately um, firstly Chloe um, you, well done you've been coaching uh, quite a while I think you said eight years which is probably longer than, than the majority of the people that were sat in my classroom next to me um, uh, and uh, do you know what I, I sound bitter about it and I am I am bitter about it I, I'm, I'm pissed off about it I'm pissed off that someone could be coaching two years and get to the same level as I am and apply for the same jobs and probably get those jobs not because they deserve them, but because they have the same piece of paper. I'm pissed off that someone can jump the queue that much, um, uh, you know, and get a job that they, that they don't really deserve, that they, that they shouldn't have. I'm pissed off that people like you are overlooked. I'm pissed off that people like you who can't afford the coaching course can't have the job because you don't have that piece of paper. Um, like Jack, I do believe in the courses. I do believe they serve a purpose, but they must, they absolutely must 
be fit for purpose. They absolutely must be made available for people who should be on those courses. There must be ways to get people on these courses. There's so many fantastic coaches I've seen that don't have a level two. Fantastic coaches. When I say fantastic, I'm talking they potentially could be masterminds. So, so some of the guys, are, some of these South American guys I've seen in in uh, Stratton Common and uh, out there doing stuff with the kids from the estate for free, and you hear how they talk so passionately and they talk with depth and actual knowledge because they watch the game, they love the game, they feel the game. It runs through their veins, and you listen to the things that they say and they make sense. But they can't afford a level two or a level three. And therefore, they don't work in football full time. So football's the big loser there, not not him. Football's the one that that, that sort of lost out. And and right now, I'd say with people like yourself, Chloe, who can't get on a certain course, uh, you know, look, money should never be a reason why anyone cannot play or coach football. That should never be a reason. Um, and it's. It really kind of highlight, highlights a lot of the things that I said in my first point, yes, about it just being a business. Courses are a business. We have to, the FAs have to stop looking at the courses as a business. And that won't change until the culture of football in this country changes. If you, I mean, I was having a, a discussion. Um, it wasn't a discussion, I take it back. It started out as, uh, as, as ridicule or, or an attempted ridicule um, by Curtis Woodhouse ex-player um, I think he's an ex-boxer as well um, on Twitter he's got 50,000 followers and they all kiss his ass and everyone wanted to jump on the bandwagon he was talking negatively about teams that build from the back play out from the back and I had to I had to call him out I, I had to say it I, I had to say it you're talking shit oh I, what is all of this playing out from the back rubbish and I said well how can you call something rubbish because you don't understand it there's a process can you explain to me the logic behind launching a ball 70 yards where the chances like the odds are really in favour of the 6 foot 5 defender to win the header over the over the 5 foot 10 striker so tell me why would you not choose to play out from the back rather than launch that ball 70 yards ah uh, you don't know what you're talking about you're coaching a in a fake world it's you know results don't matter well results matter because they matter to me and I make that very very clear in how I coach I don't want to lose. I think I've got the best win percentage at, at MK Dons, I'm pretty sure. Mm. I think I've only lost one, um, but that's kind of irrelevant. But winning matters, and, and that comes out in your coach. You have to make sure the players understand that winning matters, not not at the detriment of their development, but but they have to understand what they're going into. They, they, in this business, results results count. That's what, that's what pays their bills. That's what keeps people in the job. So we have to understand that, but... This is what I mean, that mentality that Curtis had on Twitter um, with regards to philosophy, styles of play, um, that's a very similar philosophy that people in the FA have towards coaches, uh, courses, coaching courses. Yeah, we'll put a bit of that in there. Yeah, we'll put a bit of that in there because they have to be seen to be trying to do a certain thing. They have to be seen to be trying to do uh, or, or include certain people because they have to be inclusive. They have to be this they have to be that even though the prices aren't inclusive even though the frequency of the courses are not inclusive who they make the courses available to at times are not inclusive so we have to stop looking at uh, uh, you know the culture of football in this country has to change it hasn't changed because the people that were in charge 20 years ago are still in charge today 
Um, I, I might be throwing something in there, but I, I also feel as though the, the level of your experience within the game before you even get to your level one or whatever isn't also taken into account. I mean, by that, what I mean is, okay, what experience do I have to demonstrate that I've had in football in order for me to do a level one? Um, and also, on the same note, one of the things that I've found is that there, there seems to be a bit more opportunity if you've reached a certain level um, as a player in football to become a coach especially maybe this is more so in the female game than in, than in the male game but I've definitely noticed that you know if you're a player and you play for um, you know one of one of the top Premier League women's clubs then if you want to go into coaching it's far easier to get yourself into a position maybe because of who you know um, but I, I really struggle and I think I think I you know from the female football coaches I know at my kind of level I struggle to, to get people to almost respect my experience um, as a player as a coach because it's not as high as theirs and I find that quite um, downputting you know I, I've played Sunday League um, I've played football for many 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 years but I haven't necessarily decided to take it to the level where I want to play in a national team or you know whatever my level is maybe that's that's not where I want to be but I've made the, the conscious decision that I want to take coaching further so I definitely think that there is an element of experience within the game that is either not taken into account when you when you start out um, or it all creates this kind of hierarchy of, of who who is going to succeed better than others I think you make some good points there, Chloe. You know, you just reminded me of what my previous point was as well. You talked there about, you know, the, the qualifications and maybe what qualifications required to actually coach at different levels. Um, I think something to kind of maybe share share a bit more uh, perspective on. Traditionally, if you look at all other national governing bodies, a level one qualification is usually seen as an assistant coaching qualification. Um, so whereas, you know, not the case anymore, but if you go back maybe six seven years ago you didn't need a level one you could go straight into a level two and that could be an entry level qualification and a level one is probably any for anyone kind of just maybe looking to kind of dip their toe in the water if you like um whereas now that the fa's level one qualification is probably a lot more in depth than you would get across the other governing bodies in their different sports so that's probably one thing to kind of highlight there um i think you make a great point in under in in that as a coach uh, well, I can't speak specifically for the female game, but I think generally, um, if you have had some sort of playing experience, it's often considered an advantage, um, but not actually taking into account, like you said, what's previously been done. And I think that's where, you know, some of the external qualifications outside of the FA. So, for instance, if you look at maybe higher up the ladder, you've got LMA qualifications as an example. Um, which is a league managers association for anyone that's not aware, um, but they you know they've got, they've got their own football management diploma, um, which is quite an you know an extensive uh, application, where it does include, uh, you know almost writing a cover letter and you know listing your references and things like that. I know that the B license has got some sort of uh, and even the A license have got similar kind of application processes, but I find from my experience it's very easy to kind of get around those things. Um, certainly if you've got a good reference or you know someone that can kind of write you one um, because a lot more often than not these things never really get looked into and checked upon so I think that's just something to consider there um, I'm conscious obviously we've got uh, other people to kind of bring on the stage but I don't know if there's anything you want to kind of add or touch on beyond that Chloe uh, no not really I 
think I, I kind of um, I hear what you're saying, and I think it's you know I definitely find these groups useful because you know there's so much about coaching that that I personally don't know, and I think that the information that's out there that's provided through clubs, unless you're with you know a club that really invests in in their coaches, you know it can be it can be quite a lonely journey to be honest. So mm. it's always helpful to to kind of understand a little bit more about how to get to where you want to be and. And I think, especially in the coaching journey, um, being able to make sure that, you know, your level of experience and your, your coaching qualification kind of match up. Um, so I'm, I hope that, that through that, I'll, um, I'll get my level two done and I'll be on to my uh, UEFA B very soon. But thank you for having me on there. No worries. That's excellent. You know, get in touch with Jacques. He'll probably have that contact for you if Apple hasn't really got to him first. Um, but if you want any additional support, um, what, what you can do, guys, just in a, for everyone in the group, really, uh, you know, click on our profiles, you know, hit hit that picture, hit the follow button, um, hit the club, little greenhouse at the top, join the Coaches Network Club. And for anyone that's not aware, there is a Coaches Network podcast where, we've, you know, we're speak, speaking to a range of different coaches um, and people from all different walks of life um, around development, both in the talent and athlete space but also personal development. So, you know, head over to Spotify, Apple, whichever platform you use. Search the Coaches Network podcast. Um, I'm sure you'll find some great content in there. Um, oh, Verheyen, by the way, what a name drop, please. Yeah, just one of many, man. But, you know, I've got, 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 some, got some things coming up, coming up, but um, you'll have to tune in and, and potentially, you know, subscribe before I let some more information out. But, Chloe, look, thank you for your, uh, for your contribution this evening. Um, really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to move you back to the audience and bring someone else up shortly. Right, we've got Salman. Have I said that right? Yeah, Salman. That, that's correct, yeah. Good evening, guys. Really enjoyed this discussion. Um, fascinating sort of topics raised so far. I want to sort of go back to sort of like grassroots level because my, my background is a grassroots coach. Um, and what we'll say... It, I started coaching probably about 25 years ago and I remember doing my, my level two then and on level two we had a guy doing level two and level three at the same time so it's definitely changed in terms of how things are sort of formatted and organised now. Um, what, what I do want to sort of do is sort of, um, I'm not you know an FA sort of fan for instance but I do want to sort of bang the drum slightly on, on what it did at the moment in terms of like, you've got sort of like the old school kind of coach who's um, very sort of like win, win orientated like um, Apple mentioned, sort of Kurt's Woodhouse kind of background where they, you know, knock the ball forward, let's try and get results as quick as we can and in the most still easiest way possible. Whereas now, what the FA are doing in some ways, and I think Pete Sturgis is behind this quite a lot, I'm quite a big fan of his in terms of um, encouraging creativity amongst young players and trying to instill that in grassroots coaches from, from the day one. So I've done a couple of his road shows where, you know, he's put in some fantastic sessions based around encouraging creativity and this mantra of staying on the ball um, and I think if we can get that into coaches from a young age I know I'm not trying to say make sort of players um, forget the other aspects of the game for instance but if grassroots coaching has this consistent message of trying to develop players and look at the long term picture rather than the you know the, the next game and try and win that try and look at the bigger picture and say can we develop a player within our, within our ranks who could potentially play for England and by doing so Help the, help the wider picture here. I mean, um, you know, you look at the players we've got at the moment, so there are things that obviously are taking place in academies which are which are working. So, you know, we've got a great crop of players such as, you know, Sterling, Saka, Foden, Swift Rowe, Grealish, Sancho. You know, these guys are exciting young players who've not been 
sort of in English type of player. Well, England has not seen these kind of players for quite a while, I'd imagine, in the national team. Um, and also, you look at Germany now. Um, now, they're raiding England now for the young players. How many young players are going to play in Germany who are these sort of creative players who are quick on their feet, can take people on in 1v1s, you know, where their game is almost like gone backwards in some ways. In, obviously, Bayern Munich are a fantastic side, but their game has gone backwards as a, as a national game. And now they're looking at England. So I think um, you made some great points, as I mentioned, guys. But I think there is some good stuff taking place in coach education and encouraging grassroots coaches to look at the bigger picture and can they develop you know, the next Sterling, the next Sancho, the next Foden and encouraging that rather than you know, this win kind of philosophy we've had for years within, within the game itself. It's, it can only be good for the game, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. For my question, you want to jump in on that one first or shall I go? Yeah, yeah please. Um... Simon, uh, you know, you make some really interesting points, but you, you ruffled my feathers a little bit when you mentioned about uh, how we're developing players and, uh, you know, the FA are doing great things. Listen, let, let me explain something. We are, look, we have some of the best raw, talented players in the world in this country. Um, I, I make no bones about that. But the reason why these players have had to go abroad is because they can't get first-team football here, and that's because, the, uh, you know, and that's boils down to coach education. Uh, Jaden Sancho couldn't get in the first team at, at Manchester City under Pep Guardiola. Um, Phil Foden, pretty much the same. He still doesn't feature regularly, even though he can see how good he is. Um, you know, and again, so many other really, really talented uh, young lads that have left their left their clubs and have gone to Germany to try to to try to better themselves. Which, by the way, well done to them because in past times that would have happened uh, and instead we would have seen these guys end up in non-league football or probably on a street corner somewhere selling drugs. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see these guys branching out, going to different countries and still standing out. But the reason why they stand out in those countries isn't because the level of football is, is below, it's because they're actually getting the opportunity to play. And they're, play, they're playing in a country where they actually believe in a philosophy and a, and a way of playing. And, and, and these these players stand out for that reason because they're good at that. Um, whereas over here, they don't stand out. Well, for starters, because they don't get the opportunity in the first team. But that's because the guys that manage them, the people that coach them and manage them, they, 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 would, they, they don't use players with that kind of talent, even though we know that they're potential well-beers. They still won't use the talent, and it's just insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying there. Just, I'm mean, just to sort of play a bit devil's advocate here, though. But do you not feel now, as a nation, you know, you know, for the media, for instance, you know, in the past, someone like Grealish, they would have called him a ballhole, they would have called him greedy, you know, they called him selfish. Now they kind of come around to the idea that, you know, for us to go forward as a country, we need players like him who can get on the ball, stay on the ball, and win games almost single-handedly. And you know, he's been encouraged to be the player that he is now. Whereas, you know, maybe I don't know in the last five or ten years someone like him would have been frowned upon as a player so there is sort of small steps happening do you want my honest answer to that do, yeah, do, you, free. Yeah. do you want my honest answer to that and I, and I actually I don't apologise but I'll just say how it is um, the media does still call players like him greedy and everything else but do you know what they also call him they call him Paul Pogba mm. if it's Paul Pogba he's greedy he's, he's yeah, unmotivated yeah. he's lazy if it's Jack Grealish he's fantastic he's amazing look at him so it's that narrative is wasted on me because we know we know what that really is. That's fair point. That's probably another clubhouse track you could do, guys. I suppose. Um, 
but yeah, I, I totally get the, the, the element of what you're trying to say there in terms of you know, Greece and Pogba, two different people completely in terms of you know same abilities in many aspects, but one thing defines how they're viewed by the media, isn't it? We know what that is. De- de- definitely, Simon. And just to kind of tail in off what Apple said there as well, there's a couple of things that you know you've touched on as well. I don't know how how much credit you can give the coach education pathway, and I think one of my biggest. Um, gripes with the coach education pathway in the way that it is now and, I, and I, I'm quite vocal about this is I think it leaves too much room for coaches to step away from actually coaching and just putting on sessions it leaves too much room because you can get away with um, literally letting your players play a game the whole session and then say if someone questions you on that and say well why have you done that well, I'm letting the game be the teacher nonsense you're not letting the game be a teacher you're just not coaching you're just letting the players play. Nothing's being taught here until some reflection is being done. And if you're not going to step in and give some interventions where you're going to be a bit directive, that's not a problem. We can, we can, we can live with that. But what you've got to be doing is you've got to be checking understanding. You've got to be checking knowledge. You've got to be checking progress and, you know, through questioning. And it's, it's using effective questioning as well. You know, and I'm very passionate about this, this bit myself in that, you know, I, I'm... I get you know frustrated, and you know I'll use that term that Apple's here. You know, if, if, if Russell's my feathers, if you like, when I see a coach ask questions that are useless, um, and what I mean by that, you know, oh, have you enjoyed the session? Who cares if they've enjoyed the session? That's not important. What you want to find out is what did they enjoy? Why did they enjoy it? What did they learn? How does it now? How is that that bit that they've learned or they've understood now going to help them? How are they going to utilise that information they've just picked up in that session going forward? And it's, it's, it's asking those deeper questions to really, you know, if your approach is going to be, I'm going to take a bit more of a, a relaxed approach and have a bit more of a collaborative discussion with my players, that's fine. But ask the right questions. And, and you know, my experience tells me, um, you know, it'll be interesting to get Jacques and Apps views on this as well, but my experience tells me, and it might be in naivety in some ways, I believe the players have all the answers if they're asked the right questions. And I think that's why, you know, Pete Sturgis is, is an absolute specialist in the realm of foundation phase football for, for players age 5, five to 8, um, or five, five, 5 to 11. Um, and that's, you know, um, I, it relates to what we were talking about earlier. That is a specialist subject for him, um, and he nails it every time. I don't personally look a uh, look, look, lot into his work because my personal passions lie in different phases of football even though bits of it are, are very 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 important the ball mastery staying on a ball at five six seven eight nine ten are crucial not playing not not playing styles not not systems not you know we do this to do that it's you know one v ones overloads underloads like, like so i i agree with you um uh, salmon about <laughs> And I don't know if he's part. Of, he is part of the FA education, but you know that's his. That's his bag. That you know. That's why he's got. I can't tell you how many books on, uh, on foundation face football, and that's what makes it, it him great within that realm. Um, and he doesn't. He doesn't go any higher or, or lower. It's all about the game playable mastery for for that phase. Um, so in that instance, yes, um, yeah, incredible steps, but. Would you say that he's a one-man band with an, with an FA badge on? Don't know. Um, potentially. Um, but to tie into to, to what Yasser's saying about question, 
questioning is part of the craft. Uh, the art of questioning should be part of the coach education, in my personal opinion. Um, I know it is, it is dabbled with him, but not as a right. So this goes in the toolbox. Does your, you know, does your intuition tell you when to use the art of questioning? Because sometimes players just need to be told. Um, and I think, I think as we said earlier, sometimes you've got to tell a player. Can't be watching League One, League Two football where a, a, a registered player for the first team or even the, the youth team that has made an appearance for the first team can't trap a ball in the half turn um, and have at least two pictures ready in his mind to execute or, or, or her mind to execute at that level. Um, so, I don't know, it, it has... I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to keep banging the drum on it has to be specialist for, for development and professional um, as well as as well as age specific, which they've done sort of, sort of. But then I think to reset my my youth module three, I had to go to a new level two. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, yes, that's right, isn't it? Like uh, youth mod no, three the youth mod three would have been part of the B license and not the not the level two. So mod mod one mod two was kind of phased into the the level two. Um, so. That's what I was trying to. That's what I'm trying to get. That is, I don't know. It's a money. It's a money game. It's funny. I was in a room the other night, and I think the gents, the gents down the bottom, that um, how they're saying that the states are so much further ahead financially within the game um, than we are here. So we're actually behind financially, and maybe that's why um, we've seen a price, you know, a price hike in, in courses. Um, but don't get me wrong. The, the best question I've ever been asked was by my UEFA A. Um, in situ uh, tutor um, he said how would you plan for three games in nine days um, right at the start of the first lockdown for us in the UK um, and that and I managed to get all of my notepad all of my all of my notepads all of my post-it notes all of my pictures all of my session designs on in one document of about 180 slides all because he asked me that question um, with his FA tutor hat on and now I have, I believe, and it's and it's still it's, it's still an evolving project program, um, but model, uh, game model principles and responsibilities all out of one question from a gentleman that works at the FA, um, who no longer works there because he got made redundant uh, when they when they changed everything around recently. Um, so yes, some of them are doing great things, but are they doing it as individuals and not an organisation or association? Oh, definitely. Um, before I go, because I don't want to keep you guys too long. First of all, yes, I totally agree with what you said about questioning. Because like, I mean, I work in education, so you know, what I do on, on, on the football pitch is almost similar to my style of questioning what I do in the classroom. So, totally agree with your view on that. And also, final shot, Joe, where is he tonight? I coached him as a kid at my grassroots club for years back. So, before Zoom coming on tonight, Bob, see, he's gone AWOL. So, slap on the wrist for him. We'll speak to him next time. No worries. I'm sure he'll be back next week. But just on that, you know, if if you want some more information on what Pete Sturr just does and the way that he works. Tune into the Coaches Network podcast, episode 46, Insights with Pete Sturgis. And there's plenty more where that came from, too. So, no, Salman, thank you for coming to the stage. Thank you for your question. Cheers, um, guys. You're welcome, man. Take care. Greg here. Greg, how are you? Uh, hi. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me on. I just wanted to... I'm an FA coach, uh, level one. Yeah, 
about four years now. Uh, and when I when I'd done it, I had no coaching experience, but I played amateur football semi-pro. And uh, we played a lot of football, but what I got from it was that they weren't interested in your level of football or, you know, whatever level you thought. They just wanted you to just coach. So we played a lot of football, played a lot of football, and uh, some of the guys were saying, when are you going to stop playing football? And about five or six kept saying, when are you going to stop playing football? Are you going to coach or play football? What are you going to do? So that was the vibe I got from them. And uh, I found it quite strange. But is is, is, uh, football a teaching sport? Uh, I I see it more talent comes through and, and the rest get left behind. And... If you're a certain level of footballer, that will help you demonstrate if you want to teach. Uh, Yeah, that's basically all I've got to say. So, Greg, I'm not sure if there was a question in there or you just wanted to, I guess, have an input on the conversation. Yeah, well, if I ask you, would you say say football coaching is a teaching sport? Because from the FA coaching I got, they they weren't, they wasn't giving me that. Yeah, I mean, well, for me, like I said, I touched on it earlier in the conversation. I think the coach education pathway has come a long way over the last few years. Um, It definitely is much more on a holistic holistic approach. And I think one of the kind of, uh, I guess, like trade-offs for the current pathway in the way that it is, is is that element of technical information or technical understanding that most coaches coming through the pathway now may or may not have um i think whereas previously you know we'd go on a course and i'm sure jack and apple have been very similar to my experiences with this we'd go on a fa level maybe not a level ones per se but maybe a level two and a ua for b we'd go up to you know we'd go on our course and uh, you know it would basically be a very tutor-led tutor-centered environment and it was almost like right here's 20 practices that we do at level two here's 20 practices that we do at ua for b Here's how the session looks. This is the information that we expect to be covered. Um, right, day, you know, you've got your final assessment day, right? Jack, you've got this. Apple, you've got this. And yes, you've got this. And this is exactly how we want it done. And you pretty much, uh, you know, we're left to your, I won't even say you're left to your own devices, but you pre- you're pretty much expected to deliver what you saw the tutor deliver. And if you were given a topic that you felt comfortable with, fantastic. If not, then you kind of had to do a bit of extra work and really understand the session a little bit more. But what you did get is very, very, very much so is a a real big base or large base of technical knowledge or technical detail just kind of chucked at you, if you like, which I believe a lot of the courses nowadays, in my opinion, lack massively. Um, I understand why. I think there's benefits to it, but I think there's also a lot of drawbacks. One of the benefits is for me is that if a coach is serious about wanting to get that information, they're going to have to go out there and actually understand the game a little bit better. The drawback is... For those coaches who are not there for that reason, coaches who are just on certain courses because they need it for their job, there's not that same motivation to understand the game in the same way. Thus, the lack of technical detail kind of follows. Um, And then you get situations where you've got coaches working in elite environments with players who are making, uh, you know, sometimes what is just a technical error but not able to correct it because they've got no idea how to correct it. Or, and it's not to say there's a one-size-fits-all approach, but. This is the other. This is the other pathway that you know. The other benefit I'd say of the pathway now is that, whereas before we probably consider some general principles around what technical information should be considered in each given action or moment, if you like, now it's 
a lot more gone down the path of right. Well, what would you coach here and why would you coach it? There's still an opinion, but there's still a general consensus at the same time to an extent. Um, you know, I, I, I can speak, you know, on my personal experiences. I know going back a few years, well, I had one kind of a real epiphany, if you like. I think it must have been about 2016, 2015 even. I was working with a set of goalkeepers at the time, actually. Um, and, you know, I, I, had an, I had a clear idea in my head of how I wanted it done. And this is probably very much uh, influenced by the coach education pathway that I've been, been done. And just to kind of paint a bit more of a picture of, you know, I've worked with five different goalkeepers or six goalkeepers, sorry, from like four different countries. And, you know, my initial, my, my instinct or, yeah, my, my instinct was just telling me, now there's something not right here, something's not right here because I, they weren't doing it the way I wanted it done or the way I'd perceived to have it done. Um, but then I, you know, I had to kind of take a step back for a second and just look at what was going on. Are they getting success? Yeah, they are. So if they're getting success, what's wrong with it? Well, actually nothing, but what, what can I learn from that? Well, what it, what it, I guess, forced me to do, if you like, was take a step back, look at what was going on and assess, right, what's working for this co this player here? What's working for that player here? And so on and so forth. Because actually they've got different strategies and ways of, ways of I guess, implementing a technique, if you like. But it's probably a very legitimate reason as to why as well. So you might have different characteristics. One might be smaller, one might be taller, one might be faster, one might be slower, one might, one might have a higher, uh, higher jump, one might have a lower jump or whatever that might be. And based on those characteristics, you start to identify where some of the tweaks might come with the, with the technique itself. And that actually then helped me in the long run because I then started looking at, right, I've gone from having one technique, which I was very head, you know, headstrong on, delivering to everyone to now having five that I could deliver to a range of different people. So where I had goalkeepers or players in the past that I was trying to coach them in a certain way and it wasn't quite working for them. And it, you know, it could, it could, it could be easily frustrating for me as a younger coach thinking, well, we, this person's not getting it. So they, 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 got, they, got, they got no chance. Actually, what that taught me is I had to change my approach. There's different ways of doing it. There's many ways to skin that cat and working with those goalkeepers on that day really taught me that. So I started taking a bit more of a back step and really assessing every bit of everyone's technique and identifying what they, what is, what's working for them, what's not working for them, what are some of the consistent factors that regardless of the position or regardless of the variables of the individual themselves that are consistent so then you can kind of rely on those as go-to principles if you like and then all the other bits are the little things that you can kind of tweak and polish up for anyone that might need it. Um, bit of a ramble there but hopefully that helps a little bit. I don't know if Jack and App's got anything to add to that. Yeah, can, can you? Um, so, a bit of muscle there to put a mask on. But um, it's. Um, you're right, I think there's the. the going, going on my level one back in the day, it was. Um, it got me got me back into playing football um, with friends at uh, 11 aside because you do play. Yeah, you do play a lot of the time. And um, it's up to you what pieces of information you take. Um, I was definitely on a course that yes described uh, yes described like my your way for be down to a T. Um, you know, here, here's the book, here's the here's the practices. Um, here's us delivering, showing you the practices. Um, catch what you can, and that leaves you as a candidate as as kind of like one or two. You want to play, so you're in every practice possible delivered by the tutors and and you know fellow candidates, um, or. Um, you're on the side taking notes because you either 
oh, actually, here's all the detail is because there's tutors on the side talking about the practice, um, not comfortable with playing or injured, you know, you know, got that, that, that occasional injury just before just before the course happened. So it's like, um, that was my way for B, and, it, and it's what you take from it. Um, the, the, the level one is completely different, and my interpretation, once I went, did an affiliate tutor for the FA, that, you know, level one is all about making a safe environment for young people or people to play football. And, you know, that, that's it. Is the, is the environment safe? Um, and then you just, you know, you have your little add-ons. Well, here's, here's a game that you can play, and it actually develops this. Here's another, you know, here's, here's a, I think we had a, a conversation the other evening, like drill versus practice. Um, and it's, um, the onus is, is on is on you as an individual to, to you know, look, I don't know, um, develop. And they, they kind of tee you up, and it's up to you whether you're going to stick it in the top ends or not. Um, and I don't know if that's a, if that's the appropriate way to do it. If they want to make a dramatical change in developing young, you know, young young players, uh, yeah, but it, it all depends on um, what they want from it. Is it a safe environment um, whilst playing football? One hundred percent. That should be like the first thing that we all consider. Um, but then they put stipulations on what jobs you can go for with the qualifications that they deliver. Um, so that's that's the next step step that, that I think needs to evolve. Um, no, great question because I think I, don't know, I can only remember playing. I don't know um, Alamo. I remember back in the day, um, diamond finishing. So no, exactly the same experience for me, Greg. Um, yeah, yeah, long time ago though. Thanks for reminding me. How, how, how long ago did you do your level one? Uh, I did my level one. I was Good question. Um, Twenty, so twelve years. Yeah. Yeah. Slightly different now. Uh, never told us about any job opportunities, and you do you do do a lot of drills. Uh, slightly different now, I think. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I delivered the I delivered um, level ones um, just just shy of just shy of two and a half years ago. Um, oh, and it was a lot. It was a lot more about the experiences of the individual. But I got told I, I spoke too much about the detail, and um, <laughs> and um, you know, spent spent a lot of time with learners and um, what they thought different things should be and how it is in their environment and the different pictures that they play. So I got told to, you know, I've got four. You got four days to deliver the course over over two weekends. Uh, so that was interesting feedback from them. To be fair. Yeah, great. Thanks. Don't know if you've got anything to add to that, apps. No, 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 nothing at all. I think you guys hit the nail on the head there. Awesome. Well, look, Greg, um, hopefully, you know, that answered your query or, you know, kind of satisfied yeah. your thoughts there. Um, yeah, just conscious of time now, guys. You know, we look to kind of wrap up now. Um, just a quick last uh, one for everyone. No, shout out to all the women out there that are mothers. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, happy Mother's Day to you and you, Jack, and you, Apple. You know, you look great today, guys. Um, just on a final note, guys, you know, you were listening to a live edition of the Coaches Network podcast. It's the return of the sit-down series. Um, revamped 
hit the hit the a little greenhouse at the top there follow the coaches network club click on my profile Jacques' profile apple's profile there hit that follow button hit the little bell next to their name as well so you can be aware of any conversations we're having in the future um head over to twitter use the hashtag the coaches network podcast or the coaches network um and then you know hit the coaches network on whichever platform you listen to your your audio podcast on um listen to some great conversations over the last uh, few months and certainly more to come over the next few months and, and time beyond that guys thank you again for being with us this evening jack apple do you want to just let the listeners or where they can potentially get in touch with you if they have anything they want to kind of pick up with you later on Guys, what, you know, just on a final note, my name's Coach Yas. For anyone that doesn't know, feel free to click on my profile. You can follow me on Twitter at the Coaches Net or on Instagram at the Coaches Network. Get in touch. Let us know your thoughts on tonight's discussion. We should be back with you guys every Sunday evening. Um, so keep an eye on the, the social media um, for the latest updates. And then throughout the week, we've got some up, upcoming conversations as well. Guys, it's been a pleasure this evening. Great conversation. Thank you for everyone that's been involved. Until next time, guys, take care. There you have it guys, another episode of the Coaches Network Podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time guys, take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.